0: Hello and welcome to When Will It End, raunchy teen sex comedy edition. That's right, it's Josh and Charles. We're back on our beloved podcast where we watch the movies, we start with the first, work our way through the entire series, and today is an auspicious occasion. Uh, First, I want to welcome my co-host, Charles. Charles, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you. Yeah, I I didn't know if I should have a hubba hubba, or what is the thing that you say when you're feeling sexy but you want to you know keep it more to yourself like a a thing you whisper
0: um i think whispering hubba hubba to yourself is more confusing than sexual uh (sighs) generally speaking i think hubba hubba is directed towards someone else right
1: but you were talking about this this sort of raunchy version and i almost i almost came out with a hubba hubba but then i realized hmm, i'm more thinking a boobs yeah to myself, a quiet boob. Yeah, this is yeah.
0: definitely a boob zone we've entered. Uh, Jesus, I'm scared. We're starting a new series. I'm so excited. I'm really happy. I'm in a great mood. Uh, we we just finished a very different high school experience. High school sort musical. Of. Well, I would argue there's a lot less talk about Cunnilingus in High School Musical. By that I mean a ratio of zero. It's kind of binary. There right. is discussion of Cunnilingus in, in American Pie, our new series. And unless I miss something in Sharpay's Fabulous Adventure, there is not uh, – no one mentions going down on anybody in the High School Musical series.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I skipped uh, – as I said, I skipped all the songs in High School Musical 2. So unless – there might have been a number, a big production about Conolingus that I just skipped right by.
0: I skipped all the, all the songs in American Pie. So I – you
1: know. I, this is weird because I – because we spent so much time with a high school musical, I sort of expected all these characters to just start singing. <laughs> and then when they didn't... And there is this musical number in this one, which was a, a nice carryover. Well, hold, okay.
0: The extended montage set to Flagpole Sitta is awesome.
1: But, wait, which one was that?
0: I'm not sick, but I'm not oh, well. Oh, yeah. Man. Uh, okay. Okay, I'm going to just kick this right off here. American Pie kind of rocks, and it's weirdly wholesome. And I did not really expect having... It's been such a long time since I've seen this last. I I was kind of blown away at what a nice movie this is, about people getting in touch with their feelings and learning to be better partners. I was kind of blown away by that.
1: Yeah, that's what I meant by it's almost the same as High School Musical. Because at the end of the day, like one of the main characters is a jock who learns to be a singer but okay
0: well let's hold it before you get any farther hold on yeah all friend groups we established this long oh, ago yeah all friend groups have you got your jim the bumbling sweetheart you got your kevin kevin kind of sucks i don't know kevin's deal is i don't do kevin, you know me i'm kevin very is bad bummed. at names
1: He's, who's who
0: kevin's problem is that he that tara reed is only sucking his dick that's his big problem in the movie
1: yeah i'd I will. Well, yeah, no, his big problem your... is he has
0: to confront. He to confront his feelings. Whatever. It's okay. true. Um, everyone's got an Oz, a big a big lummox with a heart of gold. Okay, and that's you. I think you're the Oz of our friendship. You're the Chris Klein. Yeah. And everyone's got the Finch. Okay. Oh my God. And the Eddie K. Thomas of it all. Who you know, mm, You know, Finch has got a, He's got a few plates spinning. Okay, Finch is a culture, a man of culture and class. And yes, am I Finch adjacent? I don't know. I have shit myself and I am cool.
1: Wait, would you consider it to be shitting yourself if you're on the toilet?
0: I mean, okay, he's renowned for taking a particularly nasty shit.
1: Yeah, I like that that was more damaging to his cred at school than to film someone without their consent and broadcasting it over the internet.
0: I'm happy you we went straight to the most – This actually what I would argue the only genuinely problematic part of the movie because mm-hmm. there wasn't even that much gay panic other than Stifler calling Chris Klein gay in the steam room, which I think is more funny about Stifler than really the movie trying to demonize Chris Klein in any way. So the only really problematic part of the movie I thought came down to, yes, uh, uh, non-consensually filming a European woman masturbating to Hustler. That was admittedly problematic.
1: The whole thing is like a male fantasy from 1999, where the idea that a beautiful Swedish or whatever, Norwegian, he said.
0: Oh, no, I just said European. I I just think this is the era of, like, the European exchange student, which I feel like is a holdover from, like, National Lampoon or something. Yeah. Like, as an idea in 2020, like, you wouldn't ever write that into a movie. So, like,
1: every young boy is like, well, I don't know, maybe you didn't, but, like, just, you know – Watching a lady undress—how fucking sexy is that? But well, I
0: I do. I remember a time where the craziest thing I could possibly imagine (laughs) was seeing a woman undress. Right, and it's funny because as you get older, like a, you end up seeing people undress, and b, Mm. you know, bodies are bodies. That it's like at a certain point, you've kind of seen what bodies are like.
1: Especially after the amount of porn that I and I'm assuming you have consumed over your. 20 years, 30 years? When did you start?
0: I'm, I'm 20. I'm really excited about college. No, no, since you started 20 years of watching porn. Whoa, tw- 20 might be a stretch. Yeah, uh, maybe 15. Easy, over, over 15. I've, I definitely passed the 15ers club.
1: Yeah, well, I was just speaking. I'm five years older than you. So yeah, probably, you know, I'm I'm over 20. But yeah, after that much time spent with other people's naked bodies, it does You're like, well, there's mounds here, and there's little, <laughs> little dots there, and there's all a couple of holes down there
0: right generally speaking and you can quote me on this we've all got the same general holes
1: we've got the same general holes we got the same general mounds we've got the same you know and then heads i've honestly found that this weird trend of like um like porn amateur porn that's out on like porn hub and stuff where they don't actually show their face because i guess they don't want to be implicated by their bosses or something who wants to watch that I feel like the mounds are fine, but they've got to be a head on there. And you know what? For all those kinky fucks out there that like people without heads, I'm not trying to shame you. I'm just saying for me, personally, I New like New a... rule.
0: If you're going to put your mounds on the web, you got to put the head, too. I, that's you what
1: I'm saying. You got to put the head with the mound. Come on. New
0: Charles rules. Okay. So we're, of course, talking about American Pie, a movie which came out in 1999. Wow. Um, How old are you? This movie- I was nine years old. This was in that pantheon of Starship Troopers and Austin Powers. What's that? (laughs) Woo! Sneeze came and went.
1: Is anyone in there with you?
0: No, thank God. I have not uh, imperiled anybody.
1: You weren't wearing a mask, and I even felt a little bit of a panic there for a second.
0: I'm in my private office. My sneeze will hopefully infect no one with what I assume is just allergies. It's ragweed season.
1: Yeah, Amy's feeling, she's waking up sniffly every morning, too. Same page. It sucks Yeah, But it must be nice. Sorry to interrupt. I'm just saying like to have a room, a space where you can sneeze maskless and just let it go. Just – and no one's – I mean I'm here to shame you this time or make you feel uncomfortable. But like what a feeling to just sneeze. I,
0: I feel somewhat low shame generally good in life i don't i don't think shame adds a lot to like i feel some amount of shame about some things but like look it gotta someone's gotta write a check for someone you know what i
1: mean mm, i don't understand that saying but i'll let okay it
0: go. american pie came out in 1999 it was made for 11 million dollars it made over 250 million dollars it was a smash hit on imdb it currently has a 7.0 out of 10 which if you know imdb is kind of an, an astonishingly high score yes it was directed by Paul Weitz and Chris Weitz, who would go on to later write Rogue One, the Star Wars movie. Wait, what? My, maybe my favorite Star Wars movie. I did not know that. This, the cast of this movie is astonishing. Jason Biggs, Jennifer Coolidge, Shannon Elizabeth, Allison Hannigan, Chris Klein, Eugene Levy, Natasha Leone, uh, the, the great Tara Reed, Sean William Scott in his first appearance ever, Mina Suvari, who appeared in American Beauty the same year, Eddie K. Thomas's Paul Finch, of course, John Cho. Right. From Harold and Kumar fame as the man who chants MILF in this movie to give you a taste of exactly where we were at in
1: 99. Anyway, isn't he in um, the, uh, the a cappella group too?
0: Yes. Uh, John Cho is credited twice, actually, in the credits. Good good for you, John. Wait, does he play two work. different
1: characters or is he playing the same characters known as MILF Guy in one scene and Singing Guy in the other scene?
0: Well, not to be pedantic, but he's John MILF Guy number two and vocal jazz group, like, ensemble. So, yes, he's, he's credited as two different roles, technically Weird. speaking.
1: That's very strange.
0: And, of course, this, uh, this movie features a cameo by the band Blink-182 on both the mm-hmm. soundtrack and IRL, though, amusingly, Travis Barker, who in this movie, I want to know your thoughts on this, as a fanciful man, um, his short lavender hair or lilac hair in this movie, in his brief appearance, Travis Barker has very short lilac hair, and it's some, one of the best Travis Barker looks I've ever seen.
1: I don't know enough about Travis to know his other looks but I did like his look.
0: Travis is an ostentatious man. He's got lots of Cadillac tattoos.
1: Wait, what does that mean? Like, literal like tattoos? Like, tattoos
0: of Cadillac cars and the logo of the Cadillac. He's a very interesting man. He's also miscredited in the movie as Scott Rainer, the original drummer of blink Eighty Two, who I share a birthday with.
1: That's exciting.
0: It makes me feel nice.
1: Every, every time you share a celebrity birthday, it's sort of, I don't know, it makes you feel like you could have been something.
0: Well, Allison shares a birthday with John Mayer and Bob Weir, which means I love her more than I would normally.
1: That's... W- wow. That, did you plan that? Did you make her change her birthday?
0: I did. At gunpoint, we walked to the courthouse. And it's weird. They will let you force your fiancé to do things at gunpoint in Massachusetts. It's, a, I think, a Puritan law from the 17th century.
1: Yeah, unfortunately, that actually doesn't sound that weird. Um, I share a birthday with both... Maybe I've said this before, but with uh, two of the greatest spacemen... Uh, Han Solo and Jean-Luc Picard. Those are two space icons. And when I say birthdays with that, it's actually the actors, not the spacemen themselves. But imagine
0: if if the three of you shared birthday kisses. Oh, my God. Hubba hubba. Mwah. Hubba. not I haven't haven't watched Picard yet. I feel like I'm missing out.
1: Eh, Yeah, we watched the first episode and it immediately became, it just was trash. It was like the worst kind of i don't know like i'm so used to storytelling through television now that when it's like a one episode arc with characters that i think they're trying to make obviously they introduce characters that will be there for the whole show but like the main plot seemed more concerned with like a one episode sort of thing i don't know i guess that's what star trek was all about but it seems sort of quaint in 2020 to be watching shit like that
0: I I hear you. I mean, we're used to very densely plotted universe building at this point. So, I mean, but with TNG, it was like a big deal when they had a two-part episode. Right. And that's why, you know, DS9 was such a profound shock to the system because that's – I mean, I fucking if you've never seen Deep Space Nine – Never seen it. Well, okay. So a lot of people are like, oh my god, Game of Thrones is this like brutal, cold, real politic, uh, just like, you know – Dark show about the machinations of humanity and its fantasy, but it's it's real and gritty. DS Nine is definitely a much better version of that, where it's like the Star Trek frame that we're familiar with, but it's a brutal, dark show that's not episodic. It's it's t- this you know it's an ongoing narrative that continue like it's all contingent on understanding the entire context, and it's full of betrayal and torture and genocide, and it's really. The, the, the tonal shift from TNG to DS9, like the first episode of DS9 is the new captain, Ben Sisko, confronting Picard as the Borg who killed his wife. So, like, at the Battle of Wolf 359, like, when his wife was killed by the Borg, he has to, like, confront Picard, the, like, rehabilitated Picard, as the murderer of his wife. And then he keeps, in talking to these Bajoran elders, these gods who live inside a warp hole by deep space nine he's like why do you keep bringing me back to the moment my wife died And they're like we're not doing it you keep bringing us back this is where you live in your head that's the first episode of that show it's about a man confronting the death of his wife for like 90 minutes it's really very different
1: and we're talking about it because they do show that entire episode in its entirety, I guess I should have said it that way, it, during American Pie.
0: Yeah, there's a scene where uh, Finch uh, makes a bong out of uh, a titty mag and they watch the, the premiere of DS9 together on VHS. It's very moving stuff.
1: And it's sort of, you know, an esoteric sort of idea in a raunchy teen comedy to splice in an entire episode with the commercials of uh, a sort of old school sci-fi show. Way yeah, of its a.
0: Daring it off on guard. Okay. I'm so sorry. I'm drinking coffee. You got me going on DS9, and I got really excited. I liked it. Me too. Uh, okay. So this movie is a tight 95. I watched the unrated version, which added three seconds to the runtime. Right.
1: So uh, you could also, just so you know, we've established that there is a tight 95. A tight 90 includes an 85 to a 95. You don't need to invent a new term for it. It's a tight 90.
0: It's a tight 90. It, it veers on the longer side of a tight 90.
1: Well, no. I mean, the whole point of the tight 90 is that you don't have to like – It feel like mostly it's about feeling, you know? It, like, this,
0: this movie moves, which is great. There's not a lot of wasted time.
1: Yeah, no. There's zero – like this is a tight 90 where it is just boom, boom, boom. We get everything we need. Every second of the movie is not wasted. Uh, I found it – so this is my first experience with it because I was 14. 13 14 when this came out. And you know, I've I've said this before. I was too you know, I wasn't into this shit. It's like, what, boobs? I can get boobs on the internet. I don't need to watch boobs with other people around. That's my own private mound time. So, I just sort of like, that eh, I don't need this. But so this was my first time experiencing it. I'm glad I waited cuz I think well, I was would... it's,
0: it's the first time for a lot of guys in the movie too. That's true. Yeah. Cuz it's about them doing sex.
1: Yeah, it's uh I'm glad I waited cuz I Don't think I really would have liked it very much if I'd seen it when I was a teenager because I wasn't, strangely, I was sort of interested in sex, but also sort of, like, I think you're right that I'm an Oz. I sort of wish I were a Finch in some ways. He's sort of funny and conniving. Also, wasn't Finch in um, Harold and Kumar as well?
0: Yes, Finch appears as Rosenberg in the Harold and Kumar movies, which means the, oh, and of course, the Shermanator, there's a lot of overlap in the when will it end verse in this mm-hmm. movie. Yeah. A lot of overlap.
1: I was thinking because we talked briefly about making one of those boards with yarn and thumbtacks and like trying to figure out the connections. This connects to so many of our, our verses so far.
0: And, and just briefly, I'm currently watching Halt and Catch Fire, the sad, sexy computer show that ABMC replaced Mad Men with. Wait, right now? Uh, While
1: we're recording?
0: Yeah, it's playing on my other, my, smart, my other smartphone app you got two um, smartphones? I've got two – no, it's one smartphone, but I've got a window of Lee Pace and Mackenzie Davis having a fraught conversation, and I'm looking at you, and I'm looking at myself. It's pretty impressive technology.
1: Wow. Steve Jobs, where would it be without you? Oh,
0: God. He was so cool. Uh, but there's some good yarn on board stuff in season three of Halton Beach uh. Live. So if you're a fan of that visual aesthetic – I want to – we should do that, uh, do an episode just about movies and TV shows where people make yarn maps.
1: I like it. We should compile a list. Um, yeah. question for you. You might not know the answer because you're Jewish, but do you think that – maybe I would actually appreciate your Jewish take on this. Do you think that Jesus Christ resigned when Steve Jobs took the big one and, and went to heaven?
0: I can't – I'm not going to weigh in on Christian theology, but I can confirm that when Steve Jobs went to the gates of heaven – uh, waiting for him there was Ben Franklin, Jimi Hendrix, and Albert Einstein. And they had wow. a fucking cracked corona. And they are like, bro, we've been waiting for you. Welcome to the party.
1: Wow. That sounds amazing. Who do you but think would was be like, there? When he was I'm like, down?
0: no, I, I only eat fruit. I'm not drinking a beer. I've got to work on innovation.
1: He's got to make a better fruit. And now he's got all the fruit in the world. That's in yeah. heaven's uh, who,
0: like. Who's going to greet you in heaven? Oh, yeah. boy. Um, probably some sickly Chinese peasants from a dynastic struggle.
1: Okay, I take it. That sounds good. Yeah, that's just, like just honestly that's on it.
0: par. That's the most realistic person to meet in heaven, like running the numbers.
1: Okay, yeah. Well, I mean,
0: millions like, died in those struggles for over a long period of time. I'm saying it, it's, it's like if I don't think they're bringing out. I mean, let me think. Who would you meet in heaven right off the bat? Well, who's waiting um, for me? It's
1: like they were all waiting. Like these people all saw from heaven the godly work that Jobs was doing on Earth. And they were ready with that Corona, cracked open, ready for him. Who yeah. who's like I mean, who's he, anticipating? He's probably saying,
0: "Me, Familia," with uh, Thomas Edison right now.
1: Right, and Vin. Because well,
0: no, Vin's alive. Well, I guess <laughs> if anyone can travel between the heavenly and the yes. earthly realms, um, waiting for you in heaven. I don't know. That's tough. Uh, Robert Burns, the Scotch poet.
1: Okay, definitely not my grandparents or anything like that. But yeah, I'll take a Robert Burns, maybe.
0: Well, everyone's like, I want to see my gr- my family in heaven. It's like, you kind of got, I mean. I got enough. They probably want to hang out with some other people. Right, we like, had They're probably 20. not going to greet you. They've probably got other shit going on.
1: Yeah, we'd we chill eventually, but. Right. I mean, yeah, not right off the bat.
0: Can you imagine the podcast we produce in heaven? Oh, my God.
1: I mean, it's basically this.
0: Yeah, this it, is basically how could, heaven.
1: How could this get better?
0: When I die, I hope I reappear in a windowless office looking at you on a smartphone, talking about American pie. God, that'd be great. Dare to dream.
1: I'm in heaven. Let me heartbeat so that I can finally
0: speak. Now, you are in a barbershop quartet, right?
1: Yeah. I'm wearing basically wow. a barbershop quartet outfit. Like,
0: yeah. We should address the elephant in the room, which is that Charles is dressed for work, um, which is, means he's wearing a, a, a an argyle tie with a clip mm-hmm. and a very slim cut you look like an Inception background guy, right? Oh, now. My of.
1: tie is too loud for Inception, but... That's true. I appreciate... That is, like, the best thing, I think, that still holds up in Inception is the way men dress.
0: Yeah. And again, that movie is not good, <laughs> but... I think the, we should
1: I, do a bonus episode on it.
0: We really should. Yeah. Woof. That was a really funny movie to rewatch. Just to be very clear, High School Musical 3 and American Pie are much better movies than Inception.
1: <laughs> yes.
0: <laughs> like... I really can't imagine watching that anytime soon, and I I actually quite enjoyed American Pie, uh, as I've alluded to, by calling it rockin'.
1: And hey, we talked about this on the episode, if you need your fucking rotating hallway rocks to get off, well, look no further than High School Musical 3, which came out before Inception. Or no, it came out after Inception.
0: It came out well after Inception. Well, yeah. a year after Inception, basketballs rain from heaven. That's in true. High Musical three, which is fucking tight. Um,
1: so you don't need Magnolia either anymore because that's three hours. You want yeah. your frogs I'll, falling? PTA,
0: take a note from Kenny Ortega, a true master of the craft. Okay, so Charles looks very sharp. He looks like he's about to do like either uh, like insurance work or a Vegas trip. Um, yeah, I mean, I am wearing a hundred dollar hype hoodie that I got from that's my online f- ceramics.
1: Wow, that's a $100 hoodie.
0: Yeah, I spent a lot of money on it. It's a Grateful Dead hoodie, but it's I mean, like a really nice 14-ounce fleece. It's like a really sturdy hoodie.
1: Is it cold today?
0: Um, It's like in the 60s today, so I'm doing what I think is a classic fall look of shorts and a sweatshirt.
1: That's good. So I'm, I'm currently, I work at a bar, as I've said, and I have to wear the Trillium t-shirt, and I can wear I can wear anything that says Trillium on it. But today I'm on the host stand, you know? And I'd like to greet the guests with a little something special here on this first uh, football Sunday. Um, Church. Church happens on Sunday. I look like I could be going to either a football game or church, which is my football is my church.
0: But in Boston, Foxborough Stadium is frigging church.
1: That's the Coliseum. No, wait. That's not religious. No.
0: The Coliseum? That's in Rome, my guy.
1: The main cathedral? The big the big stone house. No, that's jail. It's the big
0: stone house. Um, uh, speaking of Boston, did you notice who uh, tells Kevin where to get the Cunnilingus book, which mm-hmm. is in the fluid di- dynamics uh, section of the library or whatever?
1: I sure did. That's our. It's
0: uh, a famous Boston sex criminal, Casey Affleck.
1: Casey. Doing... He looks
0: like such a piece of shit at that age. Particularly, he's like, always
1: it's... looked like that.
0: Yeah. Well, no, but like without the beard, he just looks like such like an evil jock, like such like an evil. Oh, I see what you're
1: saying. Yeah, when he was younger, he did have sort of a much more angular Angular, face. That, and he also was he has he have the Affleck's always been
0: rich? That's a great question. I mean, certainly, look, we've all seen Goodwill Hunting, which is a stirring portrait of blue collar Boston life, where where Ben, of course, plays like a classic blue collar guy. I don't know. I, I, I get the impression that you know, obviously, they were both acting from a young age. Yeah, but Ben Affleck, he's in days and confused quite young so i mean i don't know it seems like they they were been in the craft for some time
1: i guess he's sort of in this movie he looks like the sort of rich that he probably wasn't like the yacht club rich boy and it's like it definitely worked well to be like oh yeah i got the fuck book in the library like he's definitely seemed like the kind of guy that would help create and store the fuck book at the school library
0: Okay, so his mother, Ben Affleck and Casey Affleck's mother, Christopher Rand, Chris Bolt, was a Harvard-educated elementary school teacher. His father, Timothy Byers, Affleck was an aspiring playwright and made a living as a carpenter, auto mechanic, bookie, electrician, bartender, and janitor at Harvard. Um, Yeah, so uh, their father was a drunk. Okay. uh, A difficult man to live with. They got divorced at 11. So yeah, the Afflecks had, I think, a pretty – a a, a somewhat gritty – Upbringing. Wow,
1: I guess so that really shows the the range that Casey has, where he can. I just assumed he was a, a rich boy, but he just he well, wasn't. Okay, it's, he pulled this off I was, beautifully.
0: I was talking about this last night because uh, in my uh, star-studded journalistic career, uh, one of the greatest achievements I have is that I'm a I'm a citation on Wikipedia for a famous rapist.
1: Big one
0: so Alex Kelly is a, a man in the 80s who's known as the preppy rapist because he was from Darien Connecticut, the very well-to-do men style bedroom community on the MTA uh, north of New York City uh, and he sexually assaulted some women and then fled to Europe for a decade where his parents paid for him to like be sort of like a playboy abroad while he was on the run for these rape charges and he became known as the preppy rapist but in reading the book Saint of Circumstance about Alex Kelly, which is uh, both an indictment of the community of Derry in Connecticut as well as a reference to the Grateful Dead because he was a deadhead, um, he actually wasn't as preppy or as rich as a lot of his friends. But like maybe because he was like – because he wasn't, he aspired even more so to appear quite the prep. So maybe Casey Affleck was like, I I sort of resent my, my social better. So I'm going to like – Work even harder in my one minute in American Pie to represent the sort of unctuous, uh, sleazy, rich kid that, that would give advice on pussy eating to a young Kevin.
1: I had a similar experience without much less of the rape and pussy eating. But well, I was I was in Maine over the uh, on Friday celebrating the second an- second year anniversary with Amy.
0: Mossel Tov, if those Thank photos you. are beautiful. Yeah,
1: it was really wonderful. We went to the beach and I sort of would, you know, you'd mask, wear a mask, and you'd bump into people also walking their dog on the beach and you'd talk to them and you're like, oh, I'm visiting. from." you You tell a story. You'd tell, you'd tell. Me as a storyteller with a degree in creative writing, I see every opportunity with another person to, to stitch together a tiny bit of fiction. Mm, that's beautiful. It's all based on truth. But, you know, we'd talk to them and I would tell them, oh, yes, we're visiting from Boston, coming mm-hmm. to the beaches of Maine. And I would say, I grew up here. And then they would ask me, where'd you grow up? And i just say Falmouth. Because I lived in the shitty side of Falmouth, the poor side where, you know, there was, you know, and we called, they called us Mudders or something. They called us the Flatlanders or something. I don't remember. We actually had a weird Casey name.
0: Affleck was born in Falmouth.
1: Falmouth, Massachusetts. Massachusetts. Yeah, I'm, I grew up in Falmouth, Maine. So maybe there is this weird, again, I'm trying to very... You know, no sexual assault in my story.
0: You keep stressing that. And honestly, I think you should just let it, at this point, let it I rest. just want to I make sure get it's it?
1: clear that even though we were both sure. born in Falmouth, you know, when was he born? What year?
0: Well, well uh, let's see. Casey Affleck is 45. He was born in 1975.
1: So 10 years older. Um, but anyway, I would, Amy afterwards, she asked me... Do you find it weird to tell people that you're from Falmouth, which is now like there is no poor part of Falmouth. All houses are $500,000. It's one of the richest towns in the state. And I was like, wow, I'm one of those. Like I could have, I'm glad I was, I'm ignorant of that. Cause I might've ascribed to be a prep, you know, even though I look like this today, I, I don't feel that need no, to be a yachtsman. No, but you're such a
0: dork, you would have to try so hard that you would just be the most fucking noxious person. And by the way, before we go any farther, I just want to say, what people say about Maine is true. 1.3 million people, 1.3 million stories, and Charles is just one of them. It's
1: true. Yeah. Um, the mascot of our high school was Yachty the Yachtsman. Really? Uh, yeah, the the what what is it called? The ma- is it just called the mascot? Like Falmouth has the we're the yachtsman? When you go to another play sports against another town,
0: you I like, mean, that's the name of the team. If the if the mascot is a yacht or yachty the yachtsman in this it's case, it's a then...
1: Nope, it's not a yacht. That would be. Oh, it's very, a living gendered boat. It is a man. No, that would be way cooler. No, the the mascot of Falmouth High School, Falmouth, Maine, is a man who owns a yacht.
0: Now would you have sex with a an anthropomorphic boat?
1: Sure. It's got the mounds. Got the holes. Got the head. As long as it's got that yeah, head. Yeah, I mean,
0: boats are boats are curvy and have a distinct front and back.
1: Right, they even have terms for them. But I'm not I mean I'm not sure what they are. The
0: prow and the stern? Uh aft. I think that's left or something. I don't know. Look. I no, don't know port, how we got
1: starboard. Hey, did aft. you
0: notice that they're at, they're at East High School?
1: <laughs> no, that's amazing.
0: They're at East Great Falls High School, but they're they're wearing like all like the East High shirts. And I was wow. like, uh, we go from one East High to another East High?
1: Josh, you set this up. There's no way. There's like four boys learning how to be better boys and not like sticking to the status quo at East High right after we finished a whole series about that. Well, then also,
0: just to continue the connections, we did Southland Tales as a bonus episode. This is the first ever Sean William Scott performance as Stifler. And by the way, you know, Stifler, obviously, a controversial character in history. You know, how will we remember Stifler when they write the history books? Who's to say? But to come into Hollywood, or Hollyweird, as we call it, and dick swing this hard as Stifler for your first performance it's pretty is pretty amazing. majestic.
1: Yeah. This is his... Like, I... I... I don't know. I feel like if I were just getting started, this would not be how I got started. And to imagine the kind of person that would be like, yeah, I want to be the cum-drinking, mouthed, gay-calling jock in a high school. And he made a whole I career it. I could see he was it. the
0: guy who shows up and drinks cummy beer. That I could see. Oh,
1: yeah, on purpose. The other stuff, Like as a so. party trick uh-huh. for my next trick. So that's a trick to you. Right. First, I make the cum. Uh-huh. And then I drink the cum all in front of a crowd of surprised onlookers.
0: Now, are they delighted by this trick as you describe it? Well, they
1: paid money for it. Oh, uh, Okay. Yeah, I sell so tickets. It's sort of at like sex. It's
0: essentially sex work where you come into a beer and then drink it.
1: I don't even need the beer, man. I mean, it's fine. It's nice, but yeah. I, I like a good you know IPA.
0: Now, walk me through this. Uh, financially speaking, you're investing, of course, in the beer, which probably you know you could probably get for a few bucks these days. I mean, I get it for um, free because
1: much- I work. This is a, the part. This is the genius: is I have a free supply of that.
0: They say don't shit where you eat, and I would say don't come where you brew beer would maybe right, be right, corollary right. No, to that. No, I, I don't know if your employers would like it if you used their beer to come in.
1: I take the beer from them. They give it to me. It's not okay. that. I, they give me free beer, and then I so take the, that beer to a different party. Right.
0: The, the overhead is low. Mm-hmm. Um. You're paying, of course – I'm assuming you're driving despite drinking because that's the kind of guy you are.
1: Right, and unfortunately, there, there is a huge – amount of expense from all the driving because i really can't do this at the same party like same party group more than once
0: no that makes sense so the question i'm asking is are you is it a flat fee to do the trick at the party or is it a a by head thing uh where people are individually paying to see the trick at the party
1: Mm, it's in a yeah it's a separate separate everyone i don't i'm not going to force it on everybody you know Uh they have to pay me tell me that they want
0: well you were stressing trade. your no sexual assault thing earlier and i guess if you force people to watch you come into beer and then drink it it certainly would i think play very poorly in the
1: definitely press. a form of sexual assault yeah so yeah. no it's it's all this isn't this isn't real this i think this is we can stop this one it was pretty good okay. for the first yeah, couple good. minutes but <laughs>
0: I, I i'm delighted you're you seem uncomfortable
1: no i'm not uncomfortable i think it's okay you
0: just, raised the idea of you doing it so i'm just saying right but i it, did i guess i did it's all my fault.
1: Most of my ideas are fleeting, you know, as I've said earlier, stories, you know, just a, a quick, oh, that would be an interesting story. But then... Well, as
0: you often remark to me, you know, 7 billion people on this planet are 7 billion stories. Here's mine.
1: I always say that. And again, like, I'm a, I'm a fan of the, the flash fiction, the micro fiction, where a brief stirring, as I said, would maybe elicit thoughts and feelings more than telling it out, like as we just did. So the, perhaps the idea of me drinking my own cum at a party—that's like a you know the baby shoes sold before oh, worn. Oh,
0: you refer to the saddest story ever written.
1: Yeah, exactly the the, the one of the saddest for, and shortest
0: for sale one baby shoe never worn.
1: What happened to the other one? Not sure, but who's to
0: say? That's part good, of the flash. Good art raises more questions than answers.
1: Right, makes you do more work than you want to sometimes. Mm. Um, I'm sure the amount of work that our listeners are doing right now to probably not think about me drinking my own calm.
0: They're probably checking their – I think they're probably checking their email or like on Twitter.
1: Yeah, they're probably hoping the story will end at some point. But that's the thing with stories is they right. never do
0: end. They never end. And let's talk about myth-making. In this movie, Paul Finch goes out of his way to create a mythos around himself using the inimitable Natasha Leone, who is remarkably good in this movie – um I love that her and Tara Reid have so much screen time together cuz talk about two people who even by the age they were when they made this movie had lived entire lifetimes. Yeah. <laughs> two 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 hard-living actresses. Um to varying degrees of uh, recovery. Obviously Natasha Leon's doing great. Tara Reid is not. Um but uh I love that I think Finch's strategy to getting laid by prom is pretty brilliant, you know?
1: That's sort of why I do agree that I am an Oz. And I don't. Have you answered what who you are yet?
0: I suggested I'm a Finch because I'm cultured. Yeah, um, like many Jews, I frequently have uh, some wild bowel movements. Um, yeah, that's
1: right. I think that's and it's sort of like I admire the subterfuge, but ultimately I'm not a Finch. I could never pull that shit off, and nor would I want to. At the end of the day,
0: yeah, you're you're an earnest fellow, I think, and I like that Oz is, you know, in pursuing Mina Suvari, he basically doesn't he's not that much of a shitbag cuz at first you can tell he's kind of faking it but i like by the end of the movie i think some of the the most revolutionary things in our dog shit culture are when they get like bro dogs to admit that like consent or being a good partner are just common sense and i like oz's thing where he's like it's just nice to be nice and that's cool yeah like i i, I like his journey where he's like man this 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 masculine culture of competitiveness and dick measuring and 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 uh being aggressive and mean I want to sing nice songs. I want to sing How Sweet It Is To Be Loved By You with Mina Suvari. And honestly, who doesn't? She's the voice of an angel.
1: Mm. Yeah, no, She
0: sucks ass at singing. She's terrible. Yeah, no,
1: I think neither of them were particularly good, but I'm glad that they just went for it. They, they, I'm assuming they sang their own parts, or do you think those were other people? She sang
0: her own part. I don't know about him, uh, but I would say it's a Vanessa Hudgens-style moment where as much as Mina Suvari seems very nice... Um, I found her neither terribly charismatic nor good at singing, which is rough in a movie where she's supposed to be both charming and good at singing.
1: So as I I was talking earlier about how I didn't, I've never seen this before and I, I liked it. The first half for me was hard to get through. I was a little bored. I didn't find it funny at all. And I found the characters to be mildly uninteresting. And it is really the second act of this movie that It turns it around and it it starts i don't know the the humor in it starts to come especially if we just sort of erase i think the unrated cut would just to to get rid of that scene where he films it's it's not a good scene either it's i never even finished my thought earlier that like the idea that a young woman would come into your room to change and then start masturbating is like the ultimate teenage dummies idea of what would happen if a girl came over to your house
0: well okay so This is a transitional movie because it's obviously indebted to the porkies of the world, which are, like, just genuinely dog shit fucking movies. Um, But it it transitions more into this, like, 21st century model where, again, by the end of the movie, it's kind of amazing. They all learn to be better people and better men by the end of the movie.
1: Except for – I want to talk about Jim. I think Jim is my least favorite character and the one that doesn't really learn anything. What do you think Jim learns?
0: I think Jim learns that he thinks he has to like try really hard and go out of his comfort zone to snag a hottie and do something that's very ostentatious and socially oriented or it's like, I'm going to be charming. I'm going to pretend to be this charming guy. I'm going to sleep with the, the hot girl, the hot exchange student. And then what he learns at the end of the day is that actually someone who like – maybe you don't enter into things with all these expectations or all this like facade with can actually end up being more of a connection it's not the best storyline i'm think, trying to be charitable here
1: yeah no i think ultimately his story is that he thinks that sex is a game where you need to convince the other person through lying basically about yourself that you are worthy to fuck and at the end of this like his final line basically of that arc is i got used i got you i got used so no, like but i love it i know but so that's the thing is like it th- i think the only good thing from his story is that it shows that women are just as much horn dogs as men and they also just want to fuck and it, i guess if his story learning as they're all going maybe into college is that this idea that sex is more imp- they learn that sex isn't as important as they think it is and that if you just want to fuck someone, you can fuck someone as long as you both want to fuck each other.
0: Well, the, the cons- other than the unfortunate filming scene, the, like, the, the emphasis on consent is honestly pretty impressive given this genre of film, which normally literally makes a joke out of rape like over and over and over. Again.
1: Right. So even his story, which is sort of about like having meaningless sex that someone else maybe wants more than you do. And he sort of learns, oh, that happened to me now. But they've also both agreed to enter into that realm, and it's just his story was the most sort of confusing in some ways and least interesting. But also at the same well, time, it's the most. It's also very good because it's just like a dumb boy learns that women want to have sex too. I think okay, but is again, how I would phrase it. Here's
0: my it. counterpoint: that storyline is the best storyline because it's ostensibly about boring old Jason Biggs, who is just like right. amazing at playing a dumb piece of shit. And then it actually is about how Alison Hannigan fucking rules and is cool mm-hmm. as fuck. And it's about her expressing her agency. And he realizes that rather than this being a movie about him getting laid, like he's been quietly ignoring the fact that women, that, that this seemingly, you know, demure band nerd actually has her own much more exciting. I think it's actually one of the more clever parts of the screenplay. That's actually that like, what
1: I'm. Yeah, that's what I meant by the most boring is that it's the simplest. And then it turns out to have this like, prof- I think I don't like him as a character. I find him. We don't have to. Interest. That's not exactly. the point. That is the point, that he's an unlikable person.
0: Right. The point that Alison Hannigan actually owns. She's like, yeah, you're just easy to fuck, and I'm, I want to fuck tonight. Right. And he's like, oh, I'm the fucking – I'm the bimbo. Or the himbo has become the popular term. No, I've never heard that. I like that. It's a thing. People call Zach Efron that a lot now, and it is very accurate. Um, so – Alison Hannigan fucking owns – she improvised the line, say my name, bitch, which is easily the best moment in the movie, in my opinion. Yeah. Because, like, I like it when they flip the switch in that character and then it just sort of keeps rising in intensity until we get to the say my name, bitch, which is hysterical. Well, I
1: think – I mean, as someone who didn't have sex in high school, I can sort of, I like, I really like that. And you can maybe tell me, wait, did you have sex in high school? <laughs> I did. Um, okay. Not
0: to boast, but I had sex when I was in high school.
1: It's not a boast if I ask you. Fair enough. I mean, at this point, it might turn into a boast if you keep going on and on about it. But I guess I my had point sex is that.
0: in high school. Fuck.
1: Stop it. In high school, everything is an act. Like, you're all, like, pretending to want to learn shit, or so you don't even bother pretending, some people. But, like, this idea that, the desire to fuck is sort of very center stage. And yet your whole existence is about keeping that a secret. And the idea that Alison Hannigan's character is like, Oh, I'm a band camp kid. Oh, but I fuck all the time at band camp. And like, I don't know. It's just like, it makes sense that there's these two lives going on.
0: No, but, but that's very real. And I think that was the funny thing about like high school is like discovering, Oh, like, Oh, the band kids are actually just like really horny and, and quite sexually active. Because everyone is. Yeah, I don't know. Sex is so poorly communicated about in our culture. Right. Like, I watch this with my fiance, Allison, and it's so sick to watch, you know, these like really broad mainstream depictions of young sexuality and just be like, God, it's so easy to do better than so many decades of awful sex ed just to be like, explain so many basic things. But which leads us to another topic. I, we've waited a long time to turn this mm-hmm. corner, my friend. But we've well, come... before we get
1: there, I just want to say oh, it God. makes sense that. You know, you think, oh, band camps are nerds or the math kids are nerds and like – or the jocks are jo-. – like everyone is also sec- – like wants to be sexual. And that's how You're like just, you can sort of yeah. make people into something. But at the down deep, this movie realizes that kids are all at this age turning into sexual beings. So they're right. all connected to You've already made this, this point.
0: We've, we talked about this. Allison Hannigan and Shannon Elizabeth are both 24 when they made the movie. The oldest cast member was uh, John Cho, who was twenty six.
1: Wait it wasn't a Mr. Eugene Levy,
0: oh, we got there. We we're talking about teaching young people about sex, and we must talk about Jim's dad because the sole thread through all eight of the movies we're about to watch the yarn is the if you will transcendent Eugene Levy who is. So delightful, and, as I found out, improved much of his performance in this movie, which speaks to exactly how fucking good he is that so much of the genuinely amazing shit he says he just thought of on the spot just melting into the role of jim 's dad um
1: it 's incredible
0: he's delightful. I like how this movie presents us with how awkward would it be if your dad saw you doing something sexual, but they really lean into it in a from a weird angle. Where it's not, he isn't like a he doesn't just do like a spit take or a double take. They let us sit with him for so many more moments than any other movie would, where we watch him really play out a very compassionate and well-meaning response to the situation. That I think I I forgot how funny and sweet that is. Yeah. like he isn't just like oh my god, my son's dick. He's like, well, son, you know, you've got a dick and you're gonna want to use it. Like it, it leans into this dynamic that I feel like. Other movies didn't mine the way this does, and it's really fucking good.
1: Well, I mean, this it just sort of speaks to the whole movie being better than most other sex comedies. And that, I mean, the, the messaging at the end sort of would have this weird ally as your dad, not being the guy that, you know, shames you or doesn't teach you anything. Like, I don't know. I did you, when did, did you do did have a little sex talk with your parents, or did you learn it all in school?
0: Uh, love my parents as I do. They, I think, did a pretty poor job talking about sex other than, you know, wear a condom, don't get someone pregnant stuff. Um, my mom, her father passed away when she was young. And I don't think he would have been more liberal than my grandmother. But, like, I don't think that was a particularly communicative household. Yeah, I, My dad did not have a great relationship with his parents when he was younger. So – I don't think he I, – I just – I don't think either of them really got wh- – I hope to one day offer a young person a holistic description of what sex and relationships mean where we talk about communication and consent and what it means to say yes or to no or to X or to Y. I, I definitely did not get that. I didn't get that in school, which again was mostly focused on here's a cross-section of ovaries and then like watching really aggressive porn like on the – on the Web 1.0, which was like a psychotic place to be, so I was had a pretty bad sexual education.:
1: I had a terrible sexual education, because my dad was like, "I don't know, I don't really understand his reasoning." He didn't let any of us take sex ed at school for some reason. He didn't let us take drug stuff at school. Because I guess he thought he would do a better job. He didn't want it to be like politicized. Because I've said like he's a, he was a Republican. I, I grew up in a Republican household, where he didn't want some government-formed body to be telling my son how to use his dick. I'll do that for him. Well, not that sounded weird. I'll tell him. Okay, let's just. But anyway, he his yeah. idea was to not let us like enroll in in classes at school that would teach us. And then he just like while we were driving one day I remember this is very strange memory where he just like pulled over and had the talk with me about how to have sex.
0: My mom that was while driving too. Like What? Her I think it's just a boomer thing.
1: What the fuck? What did they do
0: before cars? <laughs> like on the I have horse no like idea. take
1: a horse trip and then just like So you got that penis, Charles. It's like
0: getting a covered wagon or something.
1: So fucking weird. So it's just like I like that. Even though his he's very bad, Jim's dad is very bad at teaching his son about sex. It's like well, he, it's, he's
0: good at communicating his love for his son, exactly. And Bad at communicating what sex is and how to do it in a way that is healthy.
1: So it's a fun mixture of both. It's like the dad pulling over in his car to tell his son about sex. That same like style of very poor information. But you catch your son masturbating in your bedroom. You're like, okay, well, let's just like. You know, deal with this now and I'll deal with it in a very bad way. But it's not shaming your son into thinking that what he's doing is wrong or like he lets he's like his son's fucking a pie. And, you know, they just he's have pretty, a com- he's
0: nonchalant about it.
1: Yeah. He just they have they the pie is on the table and they have a talk about it. They don't well, I like, like
0: that. He's sympathetic and not horrified by his son's sexuality. Like he's really trying.
1: Yeah. You know, it's, it's weird. I mean, this is definitely a, a boy's movie, even though we have to get to our MVPs soon. Um, but like the father who goes and checks on uh, what's the character's? What's
0: Tara Reed's character? Who cares? What's yeah? And
1: remember. he's he's like, oh, I'm gonna come, and Victoria, his just it's Victoria, and his dad's just like gonna tell her dinner's ready, and he just turns around and goes, well, and then he just like it's just like a beautiful moment. This is obviously written by men who like, maybe wish they had better relationships with their fathers and sex, and, like, how... Like, it just seems like all the dads okay, are...
0: you're projecting a bit right now. I'm just saying the all the dads writer, are
1: very supportive in their Adam own Hurts way. Adam
0: Hurts originally titled it Untitled Teenage Sex Comedy That Can Be Made for Under $10 Million Which Studio Readers Will Likely Hate But I Think You Will Love. That's good. Yeah. Bit of fun there from Adam Hurts. Well, I
1: want to... I'm ready to tell you my MVP.
0: Well, I want to just... I want to just uh, circle back to... Are, is this the new order? Are we doing the? When will it end? After this, now
1: uh, we have no rules, man. It's so okay. whatever you want. Uh,
0: all right, fine. Let's let's. Uh, well, I don't want to get this out of the way. The scene where they film Nadia undressing is the dumbest set piece in the movie. It feels like the least necessary part. It's the one part that really ages poorly. And while it ultimately ends in Jim being humiliated, I was kind of annoyed at how like how much they shoved that in. Where they're like, "You got to film if you're not going to have sex with her, you should at least." take photos of her naked or something like i I thought that was the sweatiest part of the movie because again a lot of this movie actually is pretty coherent and emotionally sound and i really was annoyed at how shoved in the tit scene was because i wonder we all want to see tit scene in a in a in a a raunchy sex comedy but it really is irritating how that centerpiece is is like easily the worst part of the movie
1: it sucks and especially because he's we've already established that his character is shy and bad at talking to women there is no reason for him to, like, the school already thinks he's bad at talking to women and is shy. We don't need, like, a reason for him to be, like, this. the filming to go live and everyone knows about it to have him be shunned. He's already shunned. And in fact, yeah. the fact that he wasn't, like, kicked out of school, it's just, it's it's just, the it scene sucked. It was really uncomfortable and boring and unnecessary. And I just wish, like, I do wish the unrated cut would just get rid of it.
0: Yeah. Which is to say, I really liked this movie except for that. So, okay. Let's go to MVPs. Um, let's hear yours first. I'm, I'm honestly th- there's so many contenders for this.
1: Yeah, it's a hard one. But I, I'm mine. It's it's hard in one way, but there's a the shining beacon, and it's going to uh, Jessica.
0: We had a we had a bit for, we had a bit for this if you remember, but I guess you forgot
1: the bit. No, I did. What was it?
0: We were going to do Eugene Levy as the MVP for the entire oh, movie, right. movie run. Whatever. It's good that we didn't get through even one round of that so it's just out the window now yes natasha leone owns in this she as like the sort of you know shadowy behind the scenes like puppet master she's great
1: well she's the only one like i like that yes this is a movie about people learning things and i i think the story of um fuck i don't know any of these people's names
0: do you watch these movies
1: yeah, I just don't really pay attention. Who's the guy that, you know, the, the one that sucks, gets his dick sucked, but he wants sex?
0: Oh, yeah, Kevin, who, who has to confront his actual feelings for Victoria. Right.
1: So, and yeah. I love that story arc where he has to learn how to actually be not afraid to say, I love you. And she gets to learn that even though she loves this kid, she learns that it's not worth investing in because they're both going to do something better. And like, it's, it's okay that they have sex and then move on. And I think both of those stories are very important and cool. But I love that she just, like, she already knows everything. And she's like, she always knows what to do. And I like that she dances with Finch at the end, but she's like, I'm not going to fuck you. And she's just very real and uh, like a nice sort of. She has interactions with every character. She's my MVP.
0: Right. It's cool that she has like ind- individual relationships with everybody outside of the larger structure of the film, which I think is, again, the kind of writing you maybe don't expect from a movie like this. And I, I love that. The women in this movie have so much real estate to have their own – I don't know. I I guess like people kind of forget that about like this kind of movie. But like this one, well, A Far Cry from the much superior Blockers, a perfect film about women in high school. Mm -hmm. I I was impressed at how much space women have to like talk about their wants, needs, desires, feelings and personal journeys in a movie that very easily could have completely removed that. Yeah, um, it's weird
1: that as a, as I th- it does feel like a movie written by men, but it gives a lot of space to the women in the movie, and they each definitely get their own character arcs and ideas to yeah, have. Yeah, or,
0: or at least a lot more than you would expect from everything else about this totally. Kind of
1: movie.
0: Totally. Um, I I'm going to go ahead and give mine to Alison Hannigan. Great. Uh, she's amazing. I guess she originally read for Heather, and was like, nope, I want to play Michelle. Uh, she stayed in character uh, off off screen, which she kept wow. talking in that manner in between takes, which I think is amazing. I mean, after
1: watching Buffy, doesn't she only talk that way?
0: No, but this is but this is particularly chirpy, and and Willow's if anything more slow and and nervous, and and this is like bup, 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 bup. yeah. Uh, that turning point, the you know everyone obviously the one time at band camp I, I put a a flute in my pussy, it's become like you know the iconic moment, kind of of '90s teen sex comedies. Like it's that was yeah. such a huge bit in like you know for the decade after this movie came out um but when she turned that when that switch is turned and we see this other side of her this like band dork speaking very nonchalant which is like yeah so when are we gonna screw i'm getting kind of antsy like that's an amazing line and it's delivered perfectly and like i don't know I, I i love that it's sort of like it's like the if you will the nos tank of the movie i will the whole movie we see Allison Hannigan uh, and not realizing that she's a, she's a quietly the Nas Tank. And when Adam Hertz and the Whites brothers flip that switch, the movie like has this whole second life. And I, I love it.
1: Do you regret that you didn't give uh the MVP for Fast and the Furious Four to the Nas Tank?
0: Honestly, every day of my goddamn life.
1: Yeah. You still think back.
0: Every goddamn day.
1: <sighs> who'd you who'd you give it to I don't remember?
0: I mean the, the entire series? God, I who remembers? it. No, that kind do you remember
1: like do you think the fact that we i mean i guess it's true stories are transient Mm. even though they go on forever they do have moments where they are important and then they just seep into nothingness this mvp pick today will be remembered perhaps for a week or two and then be lost does that make it
0: less worth doing all my dreams flash before my eyes in curiosity Dust in the wind. All we are are dust in the wind. Are you
1: asking when will it end?
0: Hell no. I watched this with my fiance Allison last night in bed, and she goes, I want to watch the second one now. And I was like, I agree. I fucking – look, this movie – okay, I want to just bring this up and talking about this portion, okay? Because critically – So I went back to look at the critical response to the movie when it came out. Mm -hmm. Um, The New York Times said it was one of the shallowest and the most prurient teen films. Weird. That American Pie and Film.com, good luck. I'm sure that's fucking long gone. The movie is really awful, not worth the guilty pleasure status. The Boston Globe said it was gross and tasteless with sentimental mush. Roger Ebert, who I don't always agree with, said the following. It is not inspired, but it's cheerful and hardworking and sometimes funny. And here's the important thing. It's not mean. Its characters are sort of sweet and lovable. That's nice. And Roger Ebert nailed it. This is ultimately a nice movie. The men don't learn that operating at their basest instinct and dehumanizing women is cool or awesome or that Stifler is the way to live their life. They learn that they have to be – they have to confront their feelings if they're Kevin. They have to learn how to really be a friend and a companion to women if you're Chris Klein or to learn that women have their own agency if you're Jim or to learn that you can fuck Stifler's mom if you're Finch.
1: All great lessons. And all of
0: these are really important messages. Absolutely. So I don't know. Like this movie has redeemable social merit. Like it has problems. But I I really thought we'd be going back to like a full hate crime thing and we've watched movies that are – Really noxious, really bad for culture. Uh, Robocop two among them, and, and this movie is actually has nice messages and has great performances and has funny lines. And I've never seen the rest of the of the series, so oh, I'm wow. thrilled. Right. Yeah.
1: we're both going into uncharted territories. I'm a little. Uh, I'm also not asking when will it end, though. I am my theory. This is a theory. I'm projecting for the whole eight week course that the main movies will be good, and the american pie presents even though they all star well maybe co-star below the title above the title somewhere in he's there
0: he's definitely above the title for the the, the direct-to-video ones eugene levy that so is you think, the star. so he's
1: the star of the rest so I, i'm i'm assuming that the mound ratio is going to go way up in the direct-to-dvd ones eugene levy is going to be there and hopefully like at least let me coast through them i'm a little worried about that four-week period but you know we're doing it chronologically, so I'm excited that at least we get to end on American Reunion or whatever it's called, and maybe
0: 2012's American Reunion,
1: gleaming return, and then there'll be a bonus episode on the Eugene Levyless.
0: Oh 2020. my god! I'm, I'm so excited. <laughs> okay, so we're getting towards of this episode. I wanna give a, a special tip of the hat to the soundtrack of this movie, which features Third Eye Blind, Sugar Ray, Blink one Eighty Two, Goldfinger, uh Bare Naked Ladies, the Brian Jonestown Massacre, Hole, Everclear, Harvey Danger, Edith James, Marvin Gaye, Nora Jones, Simple Minds. I is kind of mind blowing. <laughs> like it's a yeah. really good soundtrack. And I fucking love the prom band. The prom band Oh slaps. my god.
1: That was that great. was one of the best parts of the movie. It honestly had some sort of like um pete and pete vibe to that scene yeah it was the music especially was uh i heard all this shit on the bus going to school which is another thing my dad tried to do is to only get them to play classical music on the bus to school that sucks yeah yeah he uh uh definitely had some strange ideas on how life influences your children i do agree you know sugar you could not feed your kids sugar. They'll still want it when they go to school because all those other kids are going to be handing out suckers. But I don't know. A little third eye blind on the way to school got me pumped. Let me tell you.
0: I i mean, the era we were going to school, I mean, I'm a slightly younger than you, but like, I've heard some songs by Nickelback Train... Uh, Uncle Cracker like I mean God the bus the way to school really Will ingrain shit in your skull for the it rest of time
1: Is crazy how like These songs came out I was like oh my god I'm immediately Transported to those that smell Of sun caked vinyl yeah, but bus
0: smell is yeah. distinct
1: Diesel fuel yeah and it's like that's B- Buses what...
0: of a certain era like the actively melting Seats <laughs> yes, They are like you, just yeah weird There's never an unmelted bus seat it's always In some Progression of melted it's good stuff. Okay, we're getting to the end of the app here. You've got to go to work. Any final thoughts on American Pie? I'm really excited about this series. I, I, it, yeah. It's really fun to, to, to re-enter because we're going to watch them get older like we're getting older.
1: Well, I'm just going to close out here. When you mentioned it, I was like, in my mind, and I think I sort of told you a little bit, but like, this is like, we're coming on October. It's scary movie month. We just did a high school series. I was not quite... I feel like it was a little bit of a lazy, you know, nine. Who wants to fucking listen to us talk about this for eight weeks? But I'm glad we're in here. I'm glad we're in the, the pie verse. I think I'm calling it the pie verse.
0: The pie verse is good. I like that. Yeah. Um, and I want to close that with the best line in the movie. Uh, when they tell Jason Biggs's character that third base is like warm apple pie, he says homemade or McDonald's. Join us next week. For episode two of our Pieverse, American Pie 2, and Charles, go have sex with a pie. Okay. You look very handsome. Thank you. You're welcome.